Good morning. Welcome to Milton Bible Church Online. It's great to be together once again. Last week we had just a super Sunday uh, celebrating God and uh, welcoming folks back after the summer. We had uh, just two excellent services and we're looking forward to uh, uh, just a magnificent fall in the Lord together. It's great to be together and today we want to continue speaking on the kingdom of God. It's a series that will be in just for about four weeks. Next week, Matt Timson is going to speak about kingdom relationships. But I wanted just to lay some groundwork on what is the kingdom. And last week, we defined the kingdom as the rule and reign of Christ. The rule and reign of Christ. And uh, we talked about three marks of the kingdom. The three Ps of the kingdom. The presence, the power, and the promise of the kingdom. Those three marks that really signify the kingdom of God that Jesus brought in with with his earthly presence and as he began his earthly rule. We are going to look at the middle P today, uh, the power, the power, the power of the kingdom. And uh, I want to talk about the power of the kingdom because I think sometimes there's a bit of confusion about it because when Jesus initiated the kingdom, there really is so many kingdom paradoxes involved. And so today I want to talk about Jesus' teaching on the power of the kingdom, the power of the kingdom. And we're going to look at seeds and power. And it really is the paradox of the kingdom. So as we look at that, we're going to look at a couple stories that Jesus told, a couple of parables that he preached. And if you have a Bible, I would invite you to turn to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4, we're going to look at verses 24 to 34. Actually, we're going to mostly look at just the first parable. But Jesus, when he speaks this passage, he really does teach from two parables. So I want to read them both. So here we are. Mark chapter 4, verse 24. It says this. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And still more will be added to you. To the one who has more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. And he says, and he said, with what shall we compare the kingdom of God, or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which, when sown on the ground, is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up, and becomes larger than all the garden plants, and puts out large branches, so that the birds of the air can make their nests in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them, as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. Let's pray together. Father, we want to thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ our Savior, to die on the cross, to bear our sin, to be raised to new life, and to invite us into the fullness of life now and forever through faith in him. 
And we thank you, Lord, for his clear teaching on the kingdom of God. And so we pray, Lord, as we look at this, your kingdom, we pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So teach us, we ask in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Jesus loved to tell stories. There was power in stories. So Jesus told many stories. And you know what? The church is learning to tell stories again. And we need to tell stories. We need to tell stories of what God has done in history, in the past. We need to tell stories of what God is doing now. And we need to tell the stories of the scriptures. All three ways we need to tell scriptures. We need to tell stories. And Jesus told stories. And stories are, are, are he, he used parables often when he told stories. And parables are a story with a purpose. They're a kind of a proverb with a point. And proverbs are kind of usually pithy sayings, and we're going to see one here, that really just say something very short, very quickly, very meaningful. And um, every culture has these proverbs, don't they, or parables. Every culture um, says little, has little sayings that really can actually tell you a lot about the culture. And you can actually speak into the culture by using proverbs and parables and little stories that they have. So, for instance, I used to work in construction, and all the old guys, when I was a young man, and many, many years ago, and all the older guys used to have a saying. They would say, Jim, don't be sorry, be careful. Don't be sorry, be careful. And the reason was because what we were doing was actually very dangerous in construction. We would be swinging sledgehammers from 30 feet high in the ground, balancing on very narrow beams, um, smashing things up, and you know what? It was dangerous work. And so, word to the wise, listen, let's not be sorry, let's be careful. Never forgotten that. Jesus used these things all the time. They carry truth in an easily remembered form. And we need to hear more stories, more stories of what God has done in history, what God is doing now, and what God has done in the scriptures, in and through the scriptures. And when we, we, talk about, when we talk about the scriptures and the story, and we tell the stories from the scriptures, what we're doing is we build a biblical foundation for our life, for what we believe and how we act. So let me begin with a story. Let me begin with a story. One day I went in to get a haircut, not at my usual place that I got a haircut, but I went in to get a haircut, couldn't get into my usual place, so I made an appointment Another place, walked in, sat down. It was one of those fancy places. You know those fancy places where they um, wash your hair before they cut it? And, you know, they blow dry it and all that kind of stuff. Well, I don't usually go to those places. But we, uh, I went in because it was short notice and needed a haircut. So I sat down and uh, some young girl came along. And she said, hey, um, I'm here to wash your hair. And then so-and-so will cut it. And I'm like, that's fine. So I'm sitting there about to get my hair washed. She says to me, don't you go to Milton Bible Church? And I said, yeah, I do. She said, I thought you were from Milton Bible Church. I thought I recognized you. And I said, how did you recognize me? Have you been to the church? She said, no. Um, when I was a, a youth, I used to go to something called the Escape Youth Center on Mill Street. And as a youth there, um, I used to see you coming in and out and doing things like that. 
And uh, I said, yeah, I was involved on the, you know, forming, for, helping form it, et cetera, et cetera. Milton Bible Church uh, sponsored the youth center. And uh, out of that came the Deck Youth Center, and out of that has come Resol. And so, um, so we have a long history with uh, the youth centers in Milton. But anyway, she said, um, I, I said, what do you remember about the youth center? She said, well, let me tell you, that youth center one summer saved my life. And I said, well, tell me more. Like, what do you mean by that? And she said, you know what? When I was a teenager uh, growing up in Milton, and I was like 15, 16, and um, a lot of my friends were getting into some really ugly and really bad things. And so whenever the doors of the youth center were open, I was there. It was a safe place. It was a drug-free place. It was a place where I was loved and I was valued. And she said, and I was there every single minute those doors were open. And she said, that summer, uh, that youth center saved my life. Our role, rescue the perishing. Love the unlovely. Those with nowhere to go, welcome them in. That's part of our mandate as Christians. It's a great story. Jesus used stories all the time. And the plan of God is to transform the world in Christ and through those who know Christ. And our adoption in Christ covers us with the love of the Father, but it also enlists us to transform the world through Jesus Christ and now through those who are in Christ. You see, all of us are included in this great story this great story of God's plan for rescuing, for uh, healing, for bringing peace and reconciliation. And all of us are called to participate. Look at, let's look at Mark chapter 4, verse 24 and 25. This is what it says. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. Now that's a great way to start a sermon, isn't it? Pay attention. Come on, listen up. Listen to what? God has to say to you. He goes on to say, with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Now Jesus is underlying his teaching by asking his listeners to pay attention. And when he uses that word about, you know, adding more, uh, um, taking away, he's using a proverb that was very well known in his day a short pithy saying that had meaning you know i was looking through proverb the proverbs of of the uh, middle eastern jewish folks back in those days and here's one a strange one that i found the pot which you cook for others you will be cooked so listen again in the pot which you have cooked for others you will be cooked that's a great proverb, don't you think? Well, what Jesus is saying in this passage, he's saying, let these stories, let this teaching wash over your life. Because the more you listen, the more you understand these stories, the more they will work their way into you and work their way out of you. So pay attention. Let these stories wash over you. Listen to them carefully. Understand them deeply and let them change you. And as you change, 
you will change the world. So Jesus tells two stories. And he tells stories of seeds. Two stories of seeds. Story number one is the parable of the seed growing. What Jesus says there is plant a seed and allow God to grow it. That's what he says. Basically, plant a seed and allow God to grow it. The second story that he tells about seed is the parable of mustard seed. And what he says in that parable is this. What we contribute to the kingdom is actually, it might be very small. But God in his design will make it very large. Our contribution, our seed that we sow might be very small, but God in his providence and in his kingdom power will make it great. That's what the parable of the mustard seed is about. And I love these two stories of the kingdom. From among the many stories I could have chosen, I chose these two. Because first of all, the first story is about the seed that grew itself. The seed that grew itself. And the second story about the mustard seed is a seed that recognizes that we make, uh, that what we contribute may feel very small. But what God does is he brings great results. And Jesus said that the kingdom of God is like that. And far too many times I run into far too many Christians who are either discouraged or that they're down on themselves because they don't think they're doing enough or they're not, you know, speaking powerfully or they don't see, you know, healings or miracles or signs or wonders or all kinds of things. And what Jesus does is he says, listen, let me tell you about the paradox of power in the kingdom of God. The power of the kingdom of God is like a seed. It's like a seed. First of all, God grows it. You don't. Secondly, the small seed that you sow, God makes great. It's very encouraging. It's the paradox of power in the kingdom of God. Two stories. The rule and reign of Christ on earth as it is in heaven. The paradox of the kingdom of God. Let's look at verse 26, Mark 4. And he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. So in other words, a man sows seed on the ground. Well, why stories of seeds? Why stories of seeds? Well, uh, first of all, because seeds are probably culturally relevant to an agricultural society. So they would get it. They would understand they lived. It's a, it's a farming way of life, a farming world. But also, and the main reason is because seeds are small, but they miraculously produce an amazing harvest and an amazing amount of fruit. And that's the point. The point is this. The seed has life in it. It has the life of the kingdom of God in it. And seeds can produce an amazing fruit. And the story is this. A man casts seeds on the ground. And then he goes on and he lives an ordinary life. He gets up, he goes to bed. He gets up, he goes to bed. Just ordinary life. Life goes on, is what Jesus is saying. Listen to what he says in verse 27. The farmer, um, the, the, the truth of it is the farmer does not at all get involved until the harvest is ready. So he sleeps and he rises night and day, the scripture says. The seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. 
The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. So how is the kingdom of God like that? How is the kingdom of God like that? Sowing seeds and then ordinary life continues. Really, a more boring, banal comparison could not be contrived. I mean, couldn't have Jesus have said, the kingdom of God is like the gladiator in the arena who fights, you know, to the death. That would have been a far more exciting uh, example of the kingdom. Or, the kingdom of God is like a mountain, high and lofty, and you must climb it and conquer it for the glory of God. Like Milton Mountain, right? We got to climb that and, and defeat that giant. That's not what Jesus does. He instead uses the story of a seed. It's the paradox of the gospel. It's the mystery of the incarnation. God takes on flesh and how does he come? He comes as a baby in a manger. A little wee one, helpless, crying, desperately needing to be cared for and to loved. That's how the story of salvation begins in Jesus Christ, uh, in the incarnation. A baby born in a manger. God enters into ordinary common life. God enters yours your ordinary life. And the stress here in this parable is not how high and lofty God is. You know, we love to sing and to tell stories and we love to praise God for who he is in his might and in his splendor, that he is the name above all names. He is the king of kings, the Lord of lords. He is omniscient, omnipresent. He is above all and beyond all. He is holy. He is separated from the mundane. He is the king of glory. He is the Lord of our salvation. And we loved to sing of these songs. We love to tell of his greatness. We love to declare how mighty and amazing he is. Absolutely important. But the stress of this story is how God enters into ordinary, everyday, common existence of life. Many of us are going to turn off the, you know, video after this is done and after NBC Church Online is over and you know what's not going to happen? What is not going to happen is the Brazo team are not going to come to your house and they are not going to sing over you and encourage you with songs of God's great salvation while you eat your lunch. That is not going to happen. You're going to turn off this uh, uh, set or a computer or whatever it is you're watching on and you're going to go back to your every your, your very ordinary common life. And you know what this parable teaches? Is that God is present. God is in that. God is with you in the ordinary. Understand this. A seed is not spectacular. A seed is not admired. A seed does not draw attention to its celebrity status. 
You see, one of the curses of our age, even in the church, is the thing of celebrity. Planting and harvesting are the plan of God. And as the farmer sleeps, another process works. The life of God is growing. The kingdom of God is growing. That's why it says the seed sprouts, and he knows not how. The earth produces by itself. You know that phrase, the earth produces by itself? Those three words are the Greek word, automatos, from which we get the word automatically. The seed grows automatically by itself. Do you know, over the years in Milton, churches, many of the churches here have seen very little growth. In fact, most of them. And many of the churches that were here 30 years ago when Mary and I first came to Milton with our family, many of them are smaller now than they were 30 years ago. And NBC at that time was just a handful of families. And if people have asked me, you know, especially church planters coming in, especially others that are, that are trying to grow a church, because Milton is a very hard place to plant a church, and it's a very difficult place to grow a church. It is hard, hard ground. So people come, and they ask me, Jim, what, is been, what has been your church growth strategy? And they ask me, what is your church growth strategy? And do you know what I tell them? We don't really have one. We don't really have a church growth strategy. Do you know when I first came, when we first started, we would have these five-year plans and these lofty goals and these things in which we were striving for and aiming for. And, and, and finally, all those things just kind of crumbled away as we learned to just pray and hear God's voice and seek to walk in step with him. And since then, for the last 15, 20 years, we really just, that's all we do. We just ask, what is God saying? What is God doing? Where is God directing us? We never, we haven't had like a formula or a plan or a strategy. We simply want to hear the voice of God and walk into that. And you know what we found? That has been a spectacular strategy. Just seeking to be a spirit-led people. Just praying together. What is God saying? Is God saying that? I don't know. Let's get together and pray about it. And let's find out if that's really what God is doing. And since then, since we started that, things have happened that we never could have imagined. So things like starting a youth center, the Escape Youth Center, and seeing that that come into a partnership with Youth for Christ and starting uh, and restarting the deck. And then seeing that evolve into Resoul and what God is doing now. Freedom Session, a program that helps people with their hang-ups, their hurts, their addictions, the things that really have torn their lives apart, but God wants them to walk in fullness of freedom. We're the first church in Ontario, and God has used that in dozens and dozens of people's lives to set them free in Christ. We weren't looking for it. God brought it to us. We said, yes, Lord. Food for Life, we've been doing it 10 years now. We're the first uh, center uh, in Milton. Now we're the largest uh, center, I, I think, in all of Halton. I don't know, but, uh, but I know it certainly is uh, north of Dundas Street um, in all of North Halton. We, it's just, 
an amazing ministry. Were we looking for that? No. God brought it. We heard his voice in it. And we've gone along with it. Do you know what? In the last 15 years, we've built two buildings. Two buildings we bought, renovated, repurposed for kingdom ministry. Were we looking for a new building? Neither time were we looking for a new building to buy. But God, in his, uh, in his wisdom, said, just whisper it in our ear. And we gathered and we prayed. And he continues to work that way. That is the power of the kingdom. You see, our role is just to sow seeds and allow God to be king and see the kingdom grow. Get ready to be involved in the harvest. That is what NBC is about. One day I received a call from one of our former pastors and he told me that he, wa- he wanted to call me because he wanted me to know that in his ministry that, where he was in charge of family ministries in a very large church, perhaps the biggest church even in Ontario, and he, just, he said, I want you to know that we have seen a number of young people come to Christ, receive Jesus Christ as their savior. And I said, hey man, that is fabulous that is fantastic he said here's the reason I want you to know because you I consider you my spiritual father and I wanted you to know that your spiritual grandbabies are being born and there's not just a few there's a lot he said because of our relationship in the past I really do consider you my spiritual father and so I wanted you to know And I wanted you to share the good news that your grandbabies were being born. The truth is, in his life, I really didn't do much. But what I did, God used to grow the kingdom. Seeds sown in people's lives. Seeds of kindness. Seeds of encouragement. Seeds of blessing. Seeds of prayer. Seeds of prophecy, seeds of love, sowing these things into people's lives, allowing God supernaturally to grow things, to see the kingdom come. God just takes these seeds and they grow. Understand this, the kingdom of God is not a magnificent program promoted by celebrities. It is a group of ordinary people who sow seeds to see the kingdom come. Understand that. The kingdom of God is not a super program promoted by super celebrities, but it's, it, is, it goes forward by, by common ordinary people sowing simple seeds that God energizes to see his kingdom come. That's how the kingdom of God goes forward. That's how the power of God is made known. Here's a quote that I came across in one of the commentaries. This is what it says. It says, like the patient farmer, Jesus is supremely confident in the coming kingdom. Though beset by opposition from religious leaders and misunderstanding from followers, Jesus is not disheartened, distraught, or desperate. Nor should there be any anxiety amongst his followers. 
The faith that Jesus requires of disciples is to sleep and rise in humble confidence that God has invaded this troubled world, not with a crusade, but with a, with a seed that is imperceptible, an imperceptible fifth column that will grow into a fruitful harvest. That, Jesus says, is how the kingdom works. So let's not be disheartened. Let's not be discouraged. Let's not be desperate and let's not be distraught. Let's not think, oh, I just don't do enough or say enough or be enough. Listen, that isn't what it, this, what Jesus is calling us to in this parable is faith. Faith in God, faith in the seed that he will grow it. All we need to do is throw it out there. All we need to do is distribute it. Jesus says, this is how the kingdom power comes. That's the rule of Christ in this world. And that is what it is like to be an agent of transformation. And I, I think that all of us want to see change. We want to see, we want to make disciples, and we want to see lives transformed. If that is the case, then this is what we need to do. Sow seeds, sow seeds. Take some seeds and sow them in your ordinary life. Pray for the sick, comfort those in need. Allow those seeds to grow themselves and be ready for a harvest. So have faith, sow seeds. Understand this, God is at work more than you know and more than you realize. Don't be disheartened, don't be distraught. Don't be discouraged because God is at work. Yes, there are times of refreshing. Yes, there are times of harvest. Yes, there are times of renewal. But there's also times of quiet. There are times of rest. There are times when the seed needs to germinate and it needs to grow on its own as the kingdom of God goes forward. So don't be discouraged. It's not about what you do. There is life in those seeds. So have faith. Have faith. So let's tell stories. Stories of what God has done in the past in history. Stories of what God is doing now, currently, in our lives and around the world. And let's tell the stories of Scripture. It's the stories of Scripture that ground us in what we believe and how we act. And prepare for the harvest. Sow seeds and prepare for the harvest. Because the harvest comes in the power of the living God. The paradox of the power of the kingdom. It's a marvelous thing. It's an encouraging thing. It gives me hope and faith for how insecure I feel sometimes. But God says, listen, have faith in that seed. Have faith in that seed because the power of the kingdom of God is in that seed and what he does with it for his glory. So let's sow seeds. Let's sow seeds, people. Let's have faith and let's trust in God. Let's pray together. Father, our prayer this day is may your kingdom come. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, we pray that as we sow seeds, that you would just supernaturally give them life so that they grow, 
so that they grow into that which is fruitful, that which is uh, delightful. They grow into new life. And may we be ready for the harvest because the harvest comes to the sower of the seeds. Help us to pay attention to this teaching of, on kingdom power. Let it wash over us. Let us understand it and let us live in it. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks for listening and taking the time. And uh, looking forward to seeing us all again soon. God bless.